Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network, and this is a special edition. We will be joined live momentarily by Michael Cohen, and Michael Cohen was just seen leaving the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. We are going to ask Michael Cohen all about this meeting. How was it arranged? What can you tell us about the meeting? Who was the team there? All of the questions that you want answered, we will be asking Michael Cohen, who's had this meeting. Does it mean that Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, has renewed interest in a criminal prosecution of Donald Trump. We know that he's added some top prosecutors to the team like Matthew Colangelo and others. Does this mean a criminal prosecution of Donald Trump is imminent on the heels of multiple felony convictions against the Trump organization? Alvin Bragg and his team did a very very strong job in that prosecution, humiliating Donald Trump's lawyers there. The jury absolutely hated the Trump organization lawyers. The whole Teflon Don BS was utterly exposed during the criminal prosecution of the Trump organization. Now the question is, what comes next? We have with us now Michael Cohen, host of the Maya Culpa podcast and author of Michael Cohen Revenge. Revenge, how Donald Trump weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice against his critics. Available now in all bookstores and online. Michael Cohen, welcome to the Midas Touch Network. Welcome to the podcast where you host the Maya Culpa podcast. It's great to have you here. Good to see you, Ben. Good to see you. So let's talk about this meeting and let's just start with how did this meeting come about? Who contacted who? How was this even arranged? So a couple of weeks ago, um, Lanny Davis, who is my lawyer, you may remember him from the House Oversight Committee hearing. He was uh, hanging out over my left shoulder, camera left, so to speak. Um, He contacted me and he stated that the district attorney's office would appreciate if I would agreed to come in and to meet with the new team that's there to ask me some questions and to discuss several things. And I spoke with, again, you know, Lanny, and we had a few back and forth um, conversations about it and agreed to do it. And it was set up by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office for today. So let's clear up any misconceptions out there. They reached out to you through your lawyer, Lanny Davis. And Michael, when was the last I mean, the notion, time- Ben, in all fairness, the notion, and you would know this as well as a lawyer, um, it's very rare that 
a individual contacts, whether it's the DA, the AG, or any governmental agency, and says, hey, I'd like to come in. Let's not forget that I had met with the district attorney's office um, 13 times prior to today. And this was, of course, the first time that I'm meeting with Alvin Bragg's team um, over, you know, at the DA's office. And so, Michael, the the gap between those last meetings where you met about 13 times with those prosecutors under the Cy Vance group and this meeting today was what? It was over a year, wasn't it? It is over a year. And you'll remember uh, the last time that I had any communication was slightly before the Mark Pomeranz, Carrie Dunn resignation. And look, those, it's those not a two former I mean, prosecutors. You've those said it in your book. Prosecutors. You've said it. Yeah. You've said it here on the podcast. That gap in time, admittedly, did cause you some concern that it was taking. You know that you hadn't been contacted. The Pomeranz and done. They leave. Th- that concerned you, didn't it? Well, the concern it should really be for everybody, for all of the listeners of both, you know, Midas, uh, as well as Maya Culp, as well as for the entire country. The concern should be that this is an investigation that just sort of stalled. Well, like I said um, to you off camera, one of the things that I did is I made a promise today to the district attorney's office uh, that I would not go into the sum and substance of our conversations. Uh, I wouldn't discuss too many of the topics. I wouldn't discuss the topics or the questions that were posed to me. And that I would actually keep my the bulk of my opinions to myself. But you are right. Uh, much of this is discussed in my book, Revenge, as part of the overall scenario of Donald Trump's involvement in basically every single aspect of all of these improper actions. Let's talk about what we can uh, about this meeting today. Michael, how long were you there for? There's some conflicting reports out there. How long were you there? It was uh, somewhere in the area of uh, around two and a half hours, give or take a few minutes. Um, were you doing a lot of the talking or were other people doing talking or or, or how was that going down? Well, it, it was a relatively large group. And so um, I was asked series of questions and um, a lot of it was introductory as I don't believe that this is going to be a one and done scenario. And so everybody wanted to get comfortable with one another. Um, And again, the conversation then ensued and I suspect that there will be more forthcoming. Can you, so there, there, you think there will likely be more meetings between you and them? You left with that impression? That's the impression, sure. I mean, it would only make sense. You know, I got to tell you, I, we've both been, as many people have been, somewhat critical of Alvin Bragg uh, in the fact that it has been now about a year um, and nothing sort of has happened. But then again, you know, how many times have we also used the same language by saying that the wheels of justice turn slow, but eventually they do come full circle? We've now seen coming out of the district attorney's office, and you mentioned it in your intro, uh, two very significant decisions. One against Alan Weisselberg, who stands to, to be charged with potentially additional issues if, in fact, 
there's information, corroborating documentation, and so on that he might need to provide testimony to. I'm trying to be very cautious in terms of what I say because, again, uh, I had done, I had promised them that I would not, you know, speak about this or the topics of the conversations. But there's a lot that's going on here. They are an incredible team. Um, I felt the same when I had spent, obviously, quite a bit of time with the previous team of Pomerantz and Dunn, and uh, there's also uh, Shine Rock. I feel very comfortable that this team is going to look at everything, and if, in fact, that they end up proceeding forward, that it will be a very strong case. I think that's going to be very reassuring for the public to hear because lots of people spoke very positively about Pomerantz and Dunn and that team. And so the impression that you left after meeting with this team is that they're very serious and you have equal confidence in this new team as you did in the Pomerantz-Dunn team? Yeah, I have a lot of confidence. And remember, I had spent 10 sessions with Pomerantz, actually 13, uh, three of them while I was in Otisville and then 10 when I was released after, of course, the unconstitutional remand, um, 10 additional uh, meetings with them. So I've spent a lot more time with the previous team than my one meeting from today. But if my gut is accurate, um, I think they're a very qualified, competent, and yes, I do have a lot of faith in this team. You said there was a lot of people. Is there any more detail you can provide? Was Alvin Bragg there the whole time? Was there? Yes, I really, uh, yeah, Ben, I, I, I love, you know me. I don't like to shy away from an answer, especially when I know it. Um, at this point, I really just have to be respectful of the district attorney's uh, office's request that I leave, I leave this um, meeting or that I left the meeting and that most of what we discussed, if not all of it, um, including the topics, including the people that that just remain amongst us for now, because I do Absolutely. believe that very soon um, Alvin Bragg will come out uh, or his office will come out with their own statement. And I want to respect you know that. Well, I definitely wouldn't be doing my job for the Midas Mighty if I at least didn't ask. But what I gather that you're saying, though, is that th this wasn't for show. I mean, you, you the fact that you're there, you left with the impression that this is a serious group of people. This is a serious team that had serious questions for you. Is, is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I don't believe that this was for show. Um, in fact, I think that if things, if this was for show, it would have a detrimental effect as opposed to the effect that it appears to be having right now. Uh, I think they are seriously reviewing everything. And one thing that Alvin Bragg and this entire team want to ensure is that they dot all their I's, cross all their T's, um, and to ensure that the best case be put forward no different than they did with the Weisselberg or the Trump organization slash Trump payroll cases. 
There's a lot of reporting out now as well that the Manhattan District Attorney's Office has contacted Keith Davidson. And for those who don't know who that is, a, the former attorney of Stormy Daniels before uh, the whole Avenatti fiasco. Um, have you heard that? Uh, have you heard that other than in the reporting or, or can you speak to that at all? Yeah. So my, I, again, I, I hate doing this and it's really making me a little bit tongue tied. Um, <laughs> I really am trying to be as respectful to the district attorney as I possibly can. And so um, where I learned it from, at this point, I'm just going to have to say it's irrelevant other than to say that your statement is not inaccurate. Okay. And look, you've laid out in your book, Revenge, um, you've laid out a lot of the criminal conduct you've observed. And of course, you talked about it in your congressional testimony. And so a lot of this is public. Let's set aside for a second any communications that may have existed with the Manhattan District Attorneys. Let's just talk about what is in your book and things you've said publicly to remind our audience of some of the crimes that you observed, both in terms of you know, the Stormy Daniels interaction, but also more broadly, fraudulent valuations, other direct tax schemes that Trump was engaged in. Set aside anything you may have told the DA. What have you spoken about publicly just to remind our audience the types of things you observed? Well, one of the things that, and again, it's now we're just talking about the book Revenge, which just the book. basically is the forensic dissection of the most corrupt investigation and prosecution of a United States citizen in a really long time. And it starts, of course, with the Steele dossier and goes all the way through to the unconstitutional remand when I refused to waive my First Amendment constitutional rights. Now, throughout the book, we talk about uh, the various prosecutors that were involved, including Jeffrey Berman, uh, who I filed a bar complaint against here in New York, and I'm still waiting for some sort of a response, including just an acknowledgement by the uh, Bar Association, whereby, and it's, it's comical, Jeffrey Berman is bragging about the fact that he was contacted by the Attorney General uh, of the United States at the time, by the Justice Department, and that he towed the line and did not comply completely with their requests, which was to alter the charges against me and some other things, simply so that he could keep his job. I mean, that's his own words, which to me is, it's incredulous. And worse than that, this is a guy who had already stepped aside because he recused himself based upon alleged conflicts. The fact that he's even speaking about it and elected to ignore everything that was going on, not contact of FBI or law enforcement, that he was being pressured by the Justice Department to do things in SDNY cases, and then instead to hold on to that information for four years so that he could write a book about it. I mean, that's either unethical, illegal, or both. And so, like I said, I've already contacted the Bar Association because his actions are, like I said, they're either unethical or illegal. 
Look, and a, I'm not sure if you saw this. I'm sure you did in a recent post. Donald Trump mentioned you by name, so you're clearly in his head right now. And um, I'll try to pull up the exact post, but he basically um, called you a disaster as a lawyer. And he then mentioned the FBI raid and basically said, at the same time, it's the fake Bureau of Investigation, but then mentioned that, you know, you're a disaster. Did you see that post? And you know, I I didn't, I didn't, I would love for you to be able to put it up. Uh, You know, I was just on MSNBC with, uh, I've got it right now. And that would be, that would be great. So, so this is what it says. Let me read it to you. And then I'll ask for your uh, reaction. This is what he posted on truth social uh, about three days ago. He says, until now, I always thought that lawyers had a very special and revered place in our country, but not anymore. It all began with the lawyer from hell, Michael Cohen, whose office was viciously raided by the fake Bureau of Investigation early one morning and whose files and just about everything else was taken from him on a case unrelated to me. Not too long thereafter, and being very brave, he screamed, I represent President Trump. I'll tell you anything, but please leave me alone. Since then, it has been open season on lawyers, their files, and their lives. They are attacked by the radical left thugs at a level never seen before in our country. Look at what they've done to Rudy Giuliani, who turned out to be right about so much, including the laptop from hell. So many others also all tried to, quote, get Trump due simply to Trump derangement syndrome. What do you make of that? You know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, yeah, thank you. It's an interesting ramble. Um, In one respect, it praises me. It doesn't necessarily um, criticize me. You know, it was a horrible raid um, against me. But of course, he has to exonerate himself, right? Um, it's, It's just a very circular type of, which is how Donald thinks. It's very circular in nature, right? I've always thought that lawyers had a very special, you know, place. But, you know, I want to be very clear about something. I received absolutely zero benefit for any of the testimony that I have provided to the eight different congressional committees, to the district attorney and the attorney general. And I asked for nothing. So his comments are absolutely inaccurate. Um, I refused to sign a 5K1 cooperation agreement with the Southern District of New York, but nevertheless, I still provided them with all of the information that they asked me for, including hours and hours and hours of testimony. And it's that same group of SDNY prosecutors, most of which are no longer there. They're now getting million-dollar payouts by various different law firms and um, companies. They're, the few that are still there, um, you know, they elected not to continue prosecuting Donald for his participation in the various different um, alleged crimes. And in fact, there were a whole series of sealed indictments that they were sitting with on this hush money issue that they ultimately closed out and said that there wasn't enough information for them to prosecute uh, Trump and others on. 
which of course we know is complete nonsense. And what also seems to be complete nonsense, doesn't seem, I think it is complete nonsense. Pull up that statement one more time. Um, basically where he says uh, that the files that were taken from him on a case unrelated to me, he acts like you were not like representing him at that time. I mean, clearly everything was related, you know, was related to him. That's the point I want to say it's circular nonsense. For example, what were some of the big topics? How about the campaign finance violation, the hush money payment to Stormy Daniels, the hush money payment to Karen McDougal, the Trump Tower Moscow project, and a series of other uh, a series of other things. And so, of course, how is that unrelated to him? You would the only way that you could get an answer to that would be to reach out to Trump. And I assure you that whatever the answer would be, it would be as ridiculous as this Truth Social posting that he just let go. So here's what we know about your meeting with uh, the Manhattan District Attorney so far. What we know is that they contacted your lawyer, Lanny Davis, asking to speak to you. They reached out to you, point one, correct? Well, they reached out to Lanny, Lanny to me. You know, obviously, you know, one of the things that they tried to do, assuming because I, you know, was, rep I was represented and continued to be by Lanny uh, in this area, uh, they reached out to him because it would be improper for them to reach out to me directly, so they reached out to my counsel. But yes, they did reach out first. Then you met with them today. You said it was about two and a half hours. You can't talk about who was specifically in the room, but you mentioned that it was a decent-sized room. There was a good group of people there, and that you felt, after leaving them, the same type of confidence that you had in Pomerantz and Carrie Dunn. Is that is that all accurate? Yes, that's accurate. I believe that they are all all very competent, and they are interested in fact finding, getting to the truth, and if it comports to what they would decree to be a valid case, then I'm certain they will make their um, their own announcement on this. And to that end, you believe this is not for show, number one, and you believe that this isn't just the first meeting, but you anticipate that there will be other interactions between you and them. Without getting into detail, at the broadest level, though, is, th is that accurate? Yes, it's an accurate statement. So that's all very significant news that's breaking right here. I think that fully explores, unless there's anything else you can tell us about the meeting, that is, is, is maybe a little bit more, but I think that hits the parameters for now. Drew? Yes, and obviously I would say to the Midas Mighty, stay tuned. Uh, there's obviously going to be more uh, coming out over time, and um, I intend to share it with the Midas Mighty, with um, Bagel Ben and Brett and Jordy um, in the future, and to the extent that I am permitted. So stay tuned because this case is clearly not over. And by the way, that statement is not even from me. That's a statement that was made by Alvin Bragg going back to December 7th when he appeared on television and stated so. I've got a very actually important question about the meeting for you that I'm sure is on a lot of people's mind as well. We talked about as much as you could there, but 
that outfit that you're wearing, that turtleneck, Cohen, <laughs> you wear that turtleneck to, to this meeting? I did. I did. And, you know, they, it's, it's clearly not the regular outfit that you would see me in going to, whether it's the DA's office or on television and so on. Um, it's cold here in New York. And for some reason, uh, I've just been chilled. Uh, for whatever the reason is, I've just been excessively, um, exceedingly cold over the last you know, couple of days. No fever, no COVID, no anything. Just for some reason, it's, um, I've just been cold. And so the turtleneck keeps me good and warm. And I didn't know whether or not their offices would be warm or cold. And so not to sit there and shake and be distracted, I put on you know, this very, very warm and comfy sweat. A lot of a lot of thought going into the outfit. That's uh, <laughs> that's good to hear. While I got you, while I got you on, I got to hit at least a few more topics here. Um, the depositions, the transcript portions that were released in the E. Jean Carroll case. Did you get a chance to read Donald Trump's uh, testimony there? I mean, sounds like a complete maniac. Number one. Going to be horrible in front of a jury. If you read it, what was your reaction? To yeah, so I, I actually I have not read the depositions of yet. I've been I'm doing a few other things uh, as well <laughs> busy? as you know preparing yeah for uh, some other things I'm doing as well. So I did not have the chance. But if there's something specific that you want, to, I've read enough and I've been involved with enough of Trump's testimonies and depositions and so on. He makes for a terrible witness. And you could sit and you could prep him for a month. But when he sits down, he's going to say whatever he wants at that moment, which makes him, uh, as like Harry Littman said on MSNBC today, you know, the most or the worst client that a lawyer could possibly have. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene being appointed by Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans to the Oversight Committee and the Homeland Security Committee. You have someone who is a 9-11 conspiracy theorist, someone who follows QAnon, someone who harasses uh, the survivors of school shootings. I could go on and on, but now in committees that will be getting some of our most classified uh, information. Does that concern you? And what do you? what's your reaction to that? Well, the fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene continues to be reelected to a congressional position is something that scares me. But it's not just her, right? I mean, the fact that she is on any committee should be terrifying, not just to Democrats, but to Republicans and independents as well. And then, of course, there's dear old, whatever he wants to call himself today, George Santos. I mean, you know, he's another one. It blows my mind that someone who has lied to the extent that George Santos did, that he could forget about being placed on committees, that he could even remain as a member of Congress. This is a man who is now representing his constituents which are Americans and our country. It's a complete embarrassment. It's an embarrassment in front of the whole world that this wackadoodle, you know, is there and wearing a congressional pin. Well, you say uh, setting aside the committees, but 
it was just announced that the Republicans have put him on some fairly prestigious committees. So not only are they not telling him to resign, they're promoting him and giving him rewards. It was just announced he'll be on the small business committee based, of course, on the uh, small businesses that he's led. <laughs> well, th this out, is, I mean, that's the part that Ben is absolutely stunning to me that they would put him on this. I mean, this is... This is like sending a diabetic into a candy store. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense to me at all. The man is under investigation right now for going from $50,000 a year in salary to somehow amassing $11 million. And nobody knows who, what, when, where, and how he acquired those funds. This is, to me... The worst, I mean, it would almost be like making him the head of the president's council on physical fitness and health. I mean, you've seen the guy. I mean, it is, it's absurd. It's asinine. And I don't know if it's to stick the finger in the eyes of the American public that they would do this, but to put a guy who is now literally what, one week in as a member of Congress who got there by lying. I mean, let's look at some of the lies that he had a family member who was killed in the Holocaust, another family member killed in 9-11, that he was a volleyball player at Baruch, and that they destroyed Harvard and Yale. Now, interestingly <laughs> enough, the fact that he even made such a ridiculous conference, they don't even play in the same conference. I didn't know that Baruch was Ivy and that they play in the Ivy conference. The whole thing, he had a double um, knee replacement. Uh, I mean, that's just to name some of the easier ones. It is so insane that this man who wouldn't know the truth if it bit him in his ass is now placed on small business i mean i don't i don't understand, i truly don't understand what um you know mccarthy is thinking what jim jordan is thinking the best thing that they can do to show to show some strength for the republican party would have been to oust him that's what they should have done instead of not just did they welcome him in with open arms, as you just appropriately stated, they're also, you know, they're also rewarding him by putting him on committees. How do you put somebody on committees after this information has been released without any, without any sort of knowledge as to why he made these statements and what are the repercussions? It's... To me, none of this makes any sense. It's, again, part of the massive embarrassment that we, the way that we look in front of the world. They also put him on the Space and Science Committee, so he got two assignments there. But And there he is. And, I don't know if you know this, I, I don't know if you know this, right? But um, he is a, he's also a um, licensed astronaut. astronaut. Yeah. He is an astronaut. He's been to the moon three times in the past five years. I don't know if you knew mm. that about him. And uh, he, He's truly a Renaissance man. I mean, there's no, he's, a, he's an athlete. I mean, it, I'm not sure he worked for Goldman Sachs and for Citigroup and he was a top trader. And I mean, he's an astronaut, he's, he's, he's an ass, that's for sure. Uh, but it's ridiculous. The whole thing is just so silly. And the fact that we can sit here and make fun of this, is bad in and of itself. I mean, this is, it's one thing if, uh, it's, it's so ridiculous. I, but going I'm full circle, I'm just going, completely flabbergasted that they would going be Going full circle, though, 
Yeah. Yes. Where, where we started though, you know, where we started to me is also where, where we end because to me, all of this, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Kevin McCarthy's, the George Santos's, the Jim Jordan, the fact that people aren't outraged that Jim Jordan's running the judiciary, like that there's even more crazy that that's not even like completely outrageous. But you could go on and just name any of them. Like we could spend a whole podcast. You could go to Gosar, you could go to Biggs, you could go to Perry, you could go to Bobert, you can go to Comer, like just keep on going down in each one of them. But don't you think that all exists now because of Trump? Everything that Trump touches dies. And this is this is the this is the party that he runs, that he's created. Don't all roads here lead right back to where we started, one Donald J. Trump? Well, I don't know if I would say it in such broad language. Clearly, Trump lied to the American people. Look, the one thing that I respect about you and and the Midas Mighty and, of course, your brothers is that on this program, on Midas Network and the Midas Touch and so on, it's, there's no innuendo, and it's something that I talk about um, on Maya Culpa as well. I don't accept innuendo. There's no misinformation, disinformation. We work off of facts. And the fact of the matter is, is that Donald Trump lied to the American people like 40,000 times. It was like eight to 10 lies per day, and each one was significant. Now, does that mean that he opened the Pandora's box to others like Santos to lie? I think Santos is just a, a nut job. And I think he's a liar whether Donald existed or not. The problem, the problem that I see the Pandora's box that Donald opened is that he's legitimized lying to the public, to, you know, to your constituents and to the country. And he's made it acceptable. Ah, yeah, who cares? So what? He claimed he was an astronaut. So he claimed that he was a of a scholarship volleyball player to Baruch College. And I wasn't even aware that Baruch had a top-tier Division One volleyball team and that they were a part of the Ivies. I and mean, it's the level of stupidity and the lies that Santos promotes is it's incredible. So, but do I want to blame Donald for the lies that people like Santos um, are making? No, I think Santos is just a liar, and we all know that they're lies. He's not Jewish, right? Um, you know, he didn't play volleyball. He didn't work for Goldman. He didn't work at Citigroup. He didn't do any of the things. He's not an astronaut. He didn't do anything that he claimed to do. And to be honest with you, though. I do have to say, shame on whoever it was that was running against him, whether it's a Republican or uh, for the nomination or Democrat uh, in the in the general election, because this is obviously easy stuff to disprove. And clearly, whoever was doing the vetting for that candidate um, should lose their job. There's no doubt about that one. Michael Cohen, I want to thank you for sharing this news with Midas Touch first or very close to first. MSNBC tried to get to you early, but you haven't given the level of detail that you gave here to the Midas Mighty and everybody here. I know you've got a very busy evening ahead of you and you've got a very busy year ahead of you. And one of the things that I'm so uh, privilege to share with all the Midas Mighty out there is, as you said, this probably is just the first of many 
We can't get into it. Meetings to come, which means you'll be here sharing a lot with the Midas Mighty. I just have a great time. Bagel Ben, Turtleneck mm. Mike, as some yeah, people are calling yeah, it. I like that turtleneck you know we are you know i have a lot of fun doing this with you any final words before we go no just um to the midas mighty stay stay the course stay on you know this midas network we're going to be back we'll be talking about it and the more that i'm permitted to disclose i will be disclosing it here um you know with bagel ben and the brothers and keep the faith because as I said before, and I'm going to repeat it because it's worth saying, I know we are all frustrated and we all have the right to be frustrated at the extent of time that Donald has managed to push off any of this um, responsibility for his actions. But justice, the wheels of justice turn slowly, but they do come full circle. We saw that with Weisselberg. We saw that with Trump Org. We saw it with Trump payroll. We've seen it several times now. And I, I suspect that more is forthcoming. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. If you're not subscribed to the Midas Touch YouTube channel, I don't know what you're doing. Make sure you subscribe to Michael Cohen's podcast, Maya Culpa. Search it wherever you get your podcast. And if you haven't bought Revenge, by Michael Cohen, how Donald Trump weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice against his critics. Make sure you get it now. You know, Bagel Ben, this is this book is seriously, and I say this all the time. This book is seriously the roadmap that people have to read. But one of the other things that I would say that is on the Midas uh, merchandise store that I would strongly suggest to all of the Midas Mighty that. You purchase the Donald Trump mea culpa in prison shirt <laughs> while reading Revenge because that is the one-two punch that is going to put America back on track. Yeah, you get your official gear. You could get that's a real shirt, by the way. And from time to time, Cohen wears that while he's when he's not wearing the turtleneck and he's when it's some nicer <laughs> weather in Manhattan, he wears that shirt, the Mar-a-Lago Correctional Facility, on the official Maya Culpa podcast gear. You can get that at store.midastouch.com. It makes a great gift to friends, family, co-workers, and even treat yourself. Store.midastouch.com. I should have worn that to the DA's office today, except it was too cold. Next time. Next time. time. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Michael Cohen. This is a special edition of the Midas Touch Network. Thank you all for watching this live. We will be back, of course, and I'm sure we'll be back myself and Turtleneck Mike and Bagel Ben soon. Until next time, shout out to the Midas Mighty. Peace.